Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and Lord Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And Mary, we are discussing some Fun lore this week, as we do every week. I love lore. I mean, it's kind of the whole reason why we're here. Uh, It really is. fun about this lore is, aside from a few references here and there, I haven't ever really dug into the lore that we, uh, the the topic that we are going to discuss. And so this was all kind of new to me. So it was was a lot of fun. How fun. Oh, it's a blast. What's wrong with us? I don't know a lot of stuff where do you want me to start like it's a it's a it's that's for the as or another podcast what is wrong with mary and sergio (laughs) how much time do you got (laughs) oh yeah that's gonna be uh yeah it's it's gonna be one of those like critical role like four hour per episode oh yeah oh yeah that's the uh, special edition there so this week we are discussing the red knight Mm, so the the red knight also known as the Lady of Strategy, also known as the Grand Master of the Landsport, which is another name for like a chessboard, uh, mm-hmm. is the lawful neutral deity of strategy and planning. Oh, okay. I'm already on board. Oh, yeah. I, I need mean, this deity in my life. I am terrible <laughs> at planning. I mean, I mean, it's uh, more so like in warfare, but I don't see why you couldn't take the lessons learned on the battlefield and apply them to everyday life. I mean, I've been in a school zone a couple times, and if that's not an actual battleground, I don't know what is. Right, exactly. The dream pickup, yeah, that's that's why. Oh, gosh. Ugh, it's the worst. So uh, her holy symbol is a red knight chess piece, the little horsey guy uh, okay. with stars for eyes. Ooh. And... The Red Knight serves Tempest, who is the Lord of War, the God of War, uh, as uh-huh. the goddess of planning and strategy, and is usually portrayed as a dark-haired woman in blood-red armor with a map of the realms, the, the Forgotten Realms, tightly clasped in her hands. I'm already in love. I mean, she sounds pretty awesome. She sounds like she sounds she like a total sound like a badass. And I mean, the fact that... Um, 
she's like many warriors and obviously like, you know, military commanders, mm-hmm. you know, revere her, re- venerate her, uh, just adds to her appeal. So oh, the, absolutely. The Red Knight keeps her true name secret from everyone but the Lord of Battles uh, from Tempest. Uh, as she realizes that if any power, mortal or divine, were to gain any measure of control over her, they would be privy to all the plots, all the strategies uh, of rulers throughout the realms and the powers throughout the multiverse. So keeping that close, you know, close yeah. to the... Yep. The, mm-hmm. 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 Uh, the Red Knight, like I said, is venerated by warriors, including uh, the Foe Hammer's followers. Uh, pretty much into a secondary position to the Lord of Battle. So it's you got you got Tempest, and if you worship Tempest, usually close behind you're worshiping or at least you know uh, exalting the Red Knight, right? Honoring her as well. Uh, Fohammer right. is just another nickname for Tempest, not to be confused with Glaren Fohammer, the Shield Dwarf Smith from the Storm King's Thunder adventure. I saw that and I'm like, that's not that Foham. What does he have to do with this? But that's a different, yeah. Two, yeah. two different faux hammers. Two different foes, two different hammers. All Got together. It. Uh, it's only since the time of troubles that a small priesthood distinct from that of of Tempest, of the faux hammer, have arisen in her name. And this small priesthood, owing its existence in part to the increasingly complex nature of war, is grudgingly tolerated by temperans by worshipers of tempest mm. uh but apparently uh encouraged by by the lord of battles himself which is weird it's like it's kind of like if you're like if you work for a guy and and they have a protege and then a mm-hmm. protege goes and does their own thing mm-hmm. and and your boss is like that's awesome i'm so proud of them and you're kind of like I don't like that at all i guess that's cool like why why are you so bent out of shape about what that your your God likes it. You're I, right. totally cool with if it. your God likes it, then you should love it. I feel. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, but some sages speculate that Tempest has sponsored the Red Knight to the rank of demi power and encouraged okay. her worship as a natural counterbalance to Garagos, uh, Garagos the Reaver, who his is his mortal enemy, and it just kind of makes sense. I mean, okay, uh, they're they're not you know completely they're not the exact same god you know obviously they don't have the exact same portfolio but they're very similar and so you would think if you had someone especially who you're aligned with as a god if you have Mm -hmm, someone mm -hmm. who is very similar and also being worshipped that you know you kind of get some some residual worship and power from that right there's gonna be a little bleed over right exactly so it just it makes sense it's like that i like that a lot so the lady of strategy is calm and logical in uh, in demeanor, but displays great wealth of compassion. And okay. I love this. Though she is unafraid to send her worshipers to their deaths when necessary to secure the objective of a plan. It's like There's going to be collateral damage, and very... she has no problem with that. But I feel like if you're worshiping her you're probably going into that knowing that yeah you're you're in it that you could be sacrificed for the cause and for a penny and for a pound right exactly like uh and i just i love like it it all it doesn't if you read the sentence you're like wait what she like is calm and logical but then also has compassion but then like we'll send her worshipers to her death that doesn't make any sense like it all kind of does make sense like logical like okay well i need to kill these these people need to die 
in order yeah, to these secure people are the going objective. to die but this other stuff down the road is going to be taken care of due to this so it does it does I, make a lot of sense and i, I appreciate that i do uh, too yeah it's nice to see a god of logic <laughs> <laughs> the red hey, knight and her followers believe that war is won by those with the best planning the best strategy the best tactics regardless mm-hmm. of the apparent odds okay. you know, because any fool can snatch defeat from the jaws of victory with fortune's aid only right. a master strategist can ensure a lasting victory. Okay. Um, in addition to that, she implores her worshipers, her followers, her devotees to seek out an opponent's weaknesses while also recognizing their own and then conversely avoiding their opponent's strengths and then playing to your own. I just, again, very logical stuff, right? I'm I'm here for it. This I'm... I'm not seeing any downsides and that scares me because there's always a downside. I mean, this like spoiler alert, like she stays pretty awesome throughout. Like, like the red knight just seems like an overall pretty cool neutral deity. That's all about fighting and being logical. (laughs) It's like, okay. Maybe, maybe that's why there's only whispers and casual mentions here and there then. For sure. Yeah. Like there's no zazz to it, you know, it's just kind of like very Mm -mm. like, you know, um, you know, very uh, like working class sort of like. Just yeah, it's you kind of do what has to be done. Ones, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I like but it. I love, and I found this in in the research. This, this description of her, it says that mm-hmm. she rarely raises her voice, and is said to love a good joke and have a throaty laugh. I, I don't know that I've ever seen or read where a, a deity uh mm-hmm. where they the mm-hmm. the lore describes their laugh like makes it a point to describe their laugh oh and, gosh must be like one of those big booming ones that you like you know like you know who that is oh so that's so like so. You, yeah you hear it across that's the gotta tavern, be the red knight. Like, oh my is that the red knight i heard your laugh from clear across the room um, she dislikes flighty behavior and Ooh. also looks unfavorably upon those who switch alliances often or capriciously, which also, again, makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah I'm yeah, i on board. I love this. It's fantastic. So the Red Knight, like I said, uh, Tempest is uh, very much an ally. In fact, she sees Tempest as a father figure and the two mm-hmm. spend a great deal of time together, okay. uh, usually hunting or exchanging tales in his feasting hall, uh, mm-hmm. but most often than not, they are than not they are busy visiting the numerous fields of battle uh, in Faerun or reviewing the battles of times past. Uh, the Red Knight and Torm, the deity Torm, are also similar mm-hmm. in disposition, and their interests in battle and the duties of warriors coincide pretty well. Okay, he is known to be fond of him, but whether they are in love. Or merely close friends is a matter that they have kept very private. Again, uh, I mean, not that to say strategy. that. Not to say that the lore, uh, you know, never dives into the love lives of deities, but uh, I, I feel like, you know, like there's, 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 there's info there about the Red Knight that uh-huh, hasn't been tapped uh-huh. into almost. Uh-huh. And if you go from, you know, from a uh, advanced D to advanced D, second edition to third edition fourth edition you know some of this uh-huh. stuff 
is sort of left ambiguous so that it can be changed or tweaked in the future. Right. To kind of future proof it. Right. And so they're like, oh, yeah, her and Torm, they're they're really close. You know, do they kissy? I don't know. Maybe. And then later on, they're maybe like, oh, yeah, they, they kiss don't kiss a little. They don't they're like later. They're like, OK, we want to make we want to make it to where they don't kiss. So we've we've established that it was not it was unsure. So I think I think the Red Knight and Torm would be a pretty good couple, though. I think so. I agree. It'd be too much power. Maybe, Ooh. maybe, so, maybe someone is plotting against them. Maybe someone knows if they get together, they would be the like you know the the Forgotten Realms power couple. Oh, they're uh, the Benefer they'd have have a couple name. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the, they'd have a couple the name. The right? or uh, the Brangelina of Forgotten Realms. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so. Dumb. so um the lady of okay so she likes torm sees mm-hmm, tempest mm-hmm. as a father figure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh someone that the lady of strategy does not like is the aforementioned garagos uh from you know from what she's been told of his behavior by tempest does not like him although she has not personally come to blows with him okay instead her animosity is reserved for Cyric, who she despises I as mean- the utmost of traitors and liars and not only that like he's a he's a traitor he's a liar and he's also a poor planner and that i cannot reconcile you cannot abide (laughs) the poor planning it's none of the emo-ness it's just the poor planning it's like oh my gosh like we were throwing a surprise birthday party for tempest and he was he was in charge of the balloons and the decorations he didn't have anything any of it done um, so yeah, if you want to learn more about why Cyric is the absolute worst, you can he check really out is. the episode. My least favorite god. <laughs> he was so so awful. His awfulness could not be contained within one episode. Mary had to do two episodes on him. Uh, check him out. Episodes one thirty eight and one thirty nine. Cyric is awful. He's the absolute Look, he worst. He just he hauls around a chalice with tears from jilted lovers. Oh, I still ha- I still have that sound clip. Uh, oh, I know. Somewhere oh, on my I... somewhere oh, on my gosh, hard drive. Oh gosh, yeah. I believe it. It's it's a keeper for sure. It might be uh it might be the bumper at the end of this episode, so. <laughs> uh, okay af- after the <laughs> after the usual, you know, thank you for listening to the D&D Lorecast. Stick around, you'll hear uh you'll hear the Cyric emo song as performed by Mary. <laughs> I'll just write out an entire song eventually. We'll see. It'll pop up randomly. Uh, and so during the time of troubles, the Red Knight uh-huh. was active in uh, Tether, defending uh-huh. the stri- uh, strife-torn nation against an army of monsters that threatened to surge forth from the surrounding forests. Ain't that always the way? It's always the way. Uh, and so it's kind of around this time, around the time of troubles, that, um, and we'll get into it in the second half of the show when we talk about the 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 fellowship, the the followers of the Red Knight. So like when this is kind of when she starts to get a lot more power. Okay. Okay. So by the time that the fourth edition rolls around, which is around 1385 DR, around the time of the spell plague, she's considered Mm -hmm. an up and coming power whose following has grown as warfare and strategy have become more complex. Okay. And then in fifth edition, the Red Knight still considered the goddess or still the goddess <laughs> considered, like, I guess so, is definitely still the goddess of planning and strategy. Uh, those who favor her call themselves the Red Fellowship. 
they believe that wars are won by the best planning, strategy, tactics. You know, that's that much is still the same throughout the very lore. much, yeah. She uh, um, kept that like bit. And I love you can tell, like you can see the the lore progress through the editions because the editions coincide with periods in time in the Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. Like you got the time of troubles and advanced D days. You've got the spell plague from you know three to four, and then you've got the second sundering from four to five. And so you can kind of see like what's going on in the Forgotten Realms and how it's how it affects the the characters, the deities, especially, especially the deities. Yeah, absolutely. All the powers and stuff at play and things like that for sure. The worship of the Red Knight is filled with doctrine about strategy. Like every war is a series of battles. Losing one doesn't mean losing the war. Uh in war, plan for peace. In peace, plan for war. I'm here for it. And I like this one. Seek allies among your enemies' enemies. It's like, hey, you don't like that guy? I don't like that guy either. We should be friends. Trauma bonding. <laughs> That's exactly what that is. <laughs> uh, uh, worship of the Red Knight arose among a hero venerating monastic order of Tempest and Tether shortly after the time of Troubles, which is what I mentioned before, you know, in advanced D&D. That was during the time of the time of troubles. That's what, what was going on in the meta mm-hmm. plot of the Forgotten Realms, and this was really when the Red Knight started to gain prominence. Uh, like I said, has grown since in popularity because of um, what her followers call the Great Strategium. For decades, her priests have been traveling to places of warfare to educate both generals and kings in the arts of strategy and battlefield tactics. Okay. Many of these leaders, they approach, they then you know turn them away at first, but it soon became apparent that those who accepted the counsel of the Crimson General's followers gained a distinct benefit. And so then grateful victors built temples to the Lady of Strategy, and gradually her faith spread. I mean, it, yeah, it's kind of just as expected. <laughs> like kind of like word of mouth, like, like very like. Um, like grassroots campaign, sort yeah. of thing. I like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then so today, followers of the Red Knight can be found in nearly any land that has seen warfare in the past century. Worshippers of the Red Knight are rare in the general population, but those who revere her can frequently be found among high-ranking commanders of armies, uh, instructors in colleges of war, uh, amongst quartermasters. And as well, the authors of Tomes of Strategy. Each temple to the Red Knight includes an altar dedicated to Tempest. Makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so such a place is likely to be frequented by both mercenaries and soldiers. A temple to the Red Knight is surrounded by a vast pavilion and a courtyard, which can be rented by companies of soldiers or mercenaries for practice and training. And her priests believe that drilling one's troops in a temple courtyard is a form of propitiation that the Red Knight looks upon with a special favor, which makes sense. It's like all this planning, all this, you know, strategy, like you have to be in, you have to be in, in uh, be able to pull it out, you know, be able to, to execute, execute those it, as right? well. Yeah. Like it's the, the planning part's great, but you need to be able to walk the walk as well. Gotta walk the walk. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Speaking of walking the walk, we're gonna walk the walk to the middle of the show. And then oh, when yeah. we get back, we'll talk about 
the followers, the Ooh. holy strategists. Batman. Welcome to the middle of the show. Middle of the show is where we do all of our midly housekeeping stuff. So we'll just get right to it. First and foremost, we want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you so much for following us on the social medias, on the on X, on TikTok, on Instagram, uh, on Twitch, soon to be streaming very soon. It's very exciting about that. We've been saying that for a while, but streaming, we we, we want to do something. We want to do it right. So we don't want to, we don't want to go in, you know, half cocked and, and, you have a bunch of technical issues. We want to make sure that we get we get everything uh, at least as right as possible the first time. So uh, so thank you for your patience and thank you for listening. A special shout out to all the patrons over at patreon.com slash Lorecast. Thank you for supporting the show in that specific way because it's uh, thanks to you that we're able to grow the show in, in ways that uh, wouldn't be possible otherwise. Uh, and a super extra shout out to our newest patron, Bob, Bob M. Thank you so much for signing up. Uh, we hope that you enjoy the uh, stickers that are coming out. And for those who have not received your stickers, they are going in the mail this weekend. They are already signed, sealed, and almost delivered. Uh, but yeah, so um, we hope you appreciate the uh, bonus content as well. Uh, if you are interested in that kind of stuff, the sticker pack, the bonus content, uh, free merchandise. I know um, Darkwing and Tex Tinstar both received their hoodies this past week, their D&D Lorecast hoodie. So if you're interested in that, like I said, patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast. Check out all the different tiers that we have there, all the cool stuff. And if, like I said, if you want to support the show in other ways, social media, the Discord. The Discord is always on and popping. We're always talking about something on that Discord. It's a lot of fun. Um, talk, you know, character builds, talk uh, homebrew campaigns, whatever, memes, the, the meme, the memes, where we, we be memeing over on the Discord for sure. So definitely check that out. Uh, in terms of D&D news, uh, well, the revised core rulebooks, the revised edition, I guess, uh, whatever they're calling them, uh, are coming out next year for um, the 50th anniversary of D&D. Uh, for the year of the dragon in, the, in terms of the Chinese Zodiac, which is, I mean, just so perfect in that way. Um, but uh, it's going to be the, the player's handbook is going to be the biggest player's handbook uh, that D&D has ever had. Uh, it's going to have uh, 48 uh, subclasses, you know, four for each of the 12 classes, and each will have different backgrounds. And as far as the monster's manual is concerned, that's going to have uh, over 500 monsters so like i said it's, it's going to be bigger hopefully better than ever uh and of course they're you know being designed to be backwards compatible you can still use all your current 5e stuff as well um and in terms of homebrew shenanigans since you know we are in the holiday season i was trying to find something holiday you know themed holiday you know with the holiday spirit that you could use in your campaign and i found the festive three uh, from Janelle Lawson, embark on a holiday adventure in the sinister festive realms, a dreamscape mirroring Baldur's Gate, where nightmares manifest in the form of the festive three. You've got Krampus Ball, Merkel's Dreidel, and Santa Bane. Players will encounter eerie carolers and twisted toys under the blanket of a perpetual snowstorm. Face progressively challenging encounters against the malevolent trio, unravel mysteries, and fight for joy in this festive-themed journey. So you have 
uh, nine new monster stat blocks. You've got some even some pregens in case you just want to jump right into it without having to um, go through that whole process. Um, four battle maps, uh, world map. It's recommended for a party of three to six players with uh, it being level 10. So it's, it's, a, it's a chonker. It's, it's a bit of a high-level adventure, not your ordinary like intro entry-level stuff, but it looks awesome. It looks like a lot of fun. The artwork looks really cool. Uh, check it out, Festive 3. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, $4.99 for the PDF, though. So definitely um, support, uh, support your homebrew community. That being said, let's jump back to the show. Welcome back. We are talking the Red Knight, the goddess of strategy and planning, mm-hmm. um, in mm. particular, you know, on the battlefield in a war. But, mm. you know, if, you know, I if they can help me, if she can help me figure out how to, you know, work my job. They and... say love is a battlefield. Listen to song and everything. So, like, I don't know, maybe she could work across, like, just kind of, you know, I'm just saying. I mean, yeah. The... Uh, who knows? Who knows how powerful the Red Knight could possibly be? That's become. what I'm saying. Just depends on what kind of a war you're fighting. Well, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to follow the Red Knight, if you want to worship or venerate or exalt, then you would be Mary, a holy strategist. Uh, that is the name by which a cleric of the Red Knight is known, okay. and it is an apt title indeed. Uh, by devoting okay. themselves to mastering military tactics and strategy, these militant clerics hone their minds and bodies into the deadliest weapon found in Faerun and beyond. Mm. So impressive in their reputation that armies outnumbering them, uh, outnumbering their foes three to one, have been known to surrender upon learning a holy strategist leads the opposing force. Oh. That's wild. Like you tell me, that is awesome. Like I've got nine hundred guys, and I find out like, oh, like we're fighting an army of three hundred. That's we're fine. Oh wait, there's a holy strategist in charge of them. Like, nah, we're good. No, I ain't. I ain't that dumb. <laughs> I mean, apparently the yeah. I mean, I guess you'd have to be dumb to actually go against them. That's yeah. That's insane. So the Shit. holy oh. strategist's devotion to both discipline and a structured military lifestyle makes them popular with priests of Torm, of Tyr, mm-hmm. and clerics of the Red Knights often cooperate with the priests of Valkyr to jointly okay. oversee naval battles. Uh, Valkyr is the minor Faerunian god of both sailors and their ships. Yes. Uh, most holy strategists harbor a certain distaste, distaste for clerics of Garagos, which makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, and almost universally despise Syracists. Uh, of course, Cir- mean... Cirrusist, you know, being the followers of Cyric, we talked in the first half how awful he is. So you can only imagine uh, how awful his followers are. I just feel like are. the only people that don't despise them are them. Are them. Yeah, right. And that's only like an on an individual basis. They only like themselves as far as I can remember. And they they despise Garagos because he's a bloodthirsty and single minded God with a love for violence um yeah. and battle frenzy destroying everything definitely not the planning strategic mind that the red knight cultivates it's, yeah pretty much everything she's not right right uh holy strategists 
get along well with most other characters who demonstrate an understanding of or at least a healthy respect for the use of tactics. And so as a result, although they are closely allied philosophically, uh, priests mm-hmm. of the Red Knight and priests of Tempest, you know, the god of war, sometimes find themselves at odds. You know, because many of the followers of the Lord of Battle, which is an admittedly awesome nickname for a non-evil deity. Like, let's... That's true. I mean, we go on and on about how the, the evil... The, the evil bad guys people, get yeah. some solid nicknames. But the Lord of Battle is pretty awesome. It's pretty good. I, yeah, I like. But the, the his followers kind of sometimes disdain planning, preferring to simply rush into battle. Which, again... Big no-no. Yeah. Uh, Collectively, the clerics of the Red Knight are referred to as the Red Fellowship. Many members serve as high-ranking commanders in armies Mm -hmm. throughout Faerun, often personally leading elite special forces units. So they're essentially like the Navy SEALs of of Faerun. That's what I was getting here. The they, same vibe. Was... So I, I mean, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's uh, basically secret service. Others who are not directly in the employ of the church serve as instructors at military academies, or as quartermasters in charge of keeping the troops on the front line fed and supplied. And so, you know, the Red Knight being a very militant goddess. Mm-hmm. Holy strategists are ranked in a very rigid hierarchy. Uh, well, some, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? It's it's almost yeah. like a military in and of itself. Okay. Uh, some titles used in the Red Fellowship, uh, the, some of the lowest ones are page and squire. And then you mm-hmm. have a, a knight and that kind of like uh, you get different titles with a knight all the way through knight captain and then lord knight. And then the highest level you could get is Lord Knight of the Red Standard. Oh my. Mm, fancy. Let me you put my pinky up while I drink my Mountain Dew. Uh, so most up. paladins who serve the Red Knight are Ooh. members of the Order of the Red Falcon, who uh, its members count, it's about 50, 50 members or so. So a very elite Ooh. unit uh, okay. housed in the Citadel of Strategic Militancy, which is northeast of Baldur's Gate. This small order of Red Knight worshippers have a history of triumphing in the age or in the face of overwhelming odds. Okay. Okay. It trains officers and others in tactics and military history. And its leader at one point was a human named Lady Caitlin Tyndall. Tyndall Bloodhawk. My gosh. These names are just getting longer and longer. I mean, like it's it's the full name. You know, you almost late. Okay, so name is Caitlin Bloodhawk. Full name Caitlin Tyndall Bloodhawk. Title and full name Lady Caitlin Tyndall Bloodhawk. Uh, so Lady Caitlin was possessed by the Red Knight's avatar during the time of troubles, oh. and so while possessed, she and her large adventuring band traveled to Tether to repel that aforementioned army of monsters coming from the forest Mm -hmm. uh, and earning fame and gratitude of the people there. And although small in number, the knights of this order 
are master soldiers who have triumphed against overwhelming odds on numerous occasions over and over again. Right. The clergy of the Red Knight honor two important holy days. The first of which is the retreat, which is an annual event held every midwinter's day. Uh, during this solemn ceremony, the clergy of the Red Knight assemble for a day-long retrospective of the previous year's campaigns. Strategies are discussed, battles are analyzed, and the accumulated lore is integrated into the church's teachings. The second uh, important holy day is the Queen's Gambit, which is celebrated on the first day of Tarsak. And during this festival, the clergy of the Red Knights unwind with a day of feasting and gamemanship, uh, day-long tournaments of chess, which I said is also known as lance board, uh, are held with the victors receiving recognition, titles of merit, promotions, sometimes, you know, the usual stuff. But okay. sometimes they even receive a precious gift from the temple armory. Oh, fancy. How fun. Um, when there are ceremonial functions, a holy strategist will wear a suit of either half or full plate armor, which is enameled in a blood red hue. And then over this armor, they wear a snow white tabard that is embroidered with the Red Knight's holy symbol. You know, the the, the chess piece knight with the stars for eyes. Um, and then, <laughs> I love this, for less formal occasions, holy strategists wear flowing robes of red accented with white. You oh. know, like on laundry day, they're just wearing these flowing right. robes. Just chilling at home. Right. Uh, and the shade mm-hmm. of red depends on the individual's rank, uh, which ranges from black to almost black, at lower levels to a brilliant crimson at higher ones. Um, Unlike the priests of Tempest, uh, holy strategists are not forbidden to cover their faces with their helms. So they often wear these ornate full face helmets when they wish to convey a grand impression, Uh, which was something I always loved in like um, in fantasy, either Mm -hmm. in cinema or TV, just, that like the 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 face like uh from gladiator you know um the big guy i can't remember his name but he had that awesome helmet i don't i don't remember i've seen it okay i I was gonna say like there's no way you haven't seen gladiator i've seen gladiator that i've seen i just don't remember but i i know the vibe you're talking about i love it i'm yeah the any kind of costuming right um, exactly uh right up my alley and additionally uh holy strategist's holy symbol is usually Mm -hmm. carved from some type of semi-precious red stone Uh, a holy strategist who uh, becomes an adventurer uh, they're expected to wear the highest quality armor that they can afford although this regular armor so to speak is not usually red enameled you know the the red enameled one is almost it's like a ceremonial almost like costume armor Uh, And the Red Fellowship does not expect its members to keep their armor spotless at all times, but almost all holy strategists do anyway as a point of pride. And I love this. In the field, a holy strategist is expected to carry a banner or shield marked with an easily recognizable symbol. It's often the holy symbol, the the chess piece with the the stars for eyes, but it can Mm -hmm. also be something like a coat of arms. 
Um, and this okay. serves as a rallying point for their allies. Oh, this is what okay. I love about it. Despite this requirement, you know, the expected to carry the banner or shield, despite this, holy strategists are not prohibited from removing or concealing their symbols should doing so provide some tactical <laughs> advantage. It's awesome. I like so like, hey, like you're gonna have to carry this so people know who you are. Like, oh, okay, like, but but listen, if that if like hiding it means you can win, definitely do that. <laughs> yeah, you must be very, very boastful, you know, make sure everybody knows who we are, unless unless but if you if you need a win, go ahead and winning's important. Winning is the most important. If it gets us that thing. W we get, get the dub hide that we need the dub yeah uh the most important temple of the red knight is the citadel of strategic uh -huh. militancy which like i said uh -huh. is located northeast of baldur's gate about 40 miles northeast of the city uh this massive keep was once the home of a minor noble family that served the goddess and then during the time of troubles the red knight possessed the last scion of that family you guessed okay. it Lady Caitlin Bloodhawk, which is a great name. I mean, it really is a good name. If you tell me like, oh, that's the Bloodhawk family, I'm going to be like, oh, let me guess. They're fighters. They fight. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. so yeah, the Red Knight possessed uh, Caitlin Bloodhawk to serve as her avatar. And okay. although the Citadel was destroyed during that period, it was rebuilt later and now serves as the home of the Red War College, a new but already famous school for military officers. Oh. Uh, the okay. walls of the Citadel are built mm -hmm. of checkered red and white marble, and a massive blood red dome caps the central keep. Uh, the chapel is actually an enormous chessboard where the priests play out ritualized human chess games during religious ceremonies. And I'm getting I some... Some very serious Queen of Hearts, um, but Tim Burton's version of the Queen of Hearts. Oh, I was thinking the bloody the, red queen, the first Harry Potter movie. Oh yeah, that was there too. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I yeah, I'm getting some uh, getting some Queen of Hearts vibes, and I love it. Uh, other temples to the Red Knight are somewhat rare, although more are being built each and every year. Like I said, going mm -hmm. from AD&D up through 5th edition, the Red Knight is just becoming more and more prolific and more prominent. Um, like like I said, this specific note is from a 3rd edition source. But like we discussed okay. in the first half, seeing how the popularity has gone up, it should be no surprise that the temples are also being, you know, the, the temple right. count is going up. Um, each temple is dominated by a red and white chessboard floor which the attendant priests keep polished to a brilliant gleam. And temples to the Red Knight in dangerous lands are often guarded by stone golems built of red or white marble and sculpted to look like enormous chess pieces, which is awesome. That is so cool. I mean, imagine like you going up to a, a tall building and uh, you just see like a giant like bishop piece. And you're like, okay, whatever. And then all of a sudden it becomes a stone golem. And now you have to roll for initiative and you're about to die. Oh my God. It sounds amazing. It does sound awesome. <laughs> it does uh, sound really cool. It's a cool way to go. I'm just saying. I got to go. I mean, I think I, I, think I might have just uh, come up with an encounter for something at some point. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Smaller shrines, however, are common in fortresses 
and military barracks all across Faerun. Oh, yeah. Um, such a shrine might consist it. of nothing more than a chess piece or a chess set placed in a special <gasps> alcove uh, where supplicants can go to pray for the Lady of Strategy's guidance. Okay, I would I would pay for that chess set though. Oh one yeah, one done in that. Oh, like a oh. red and white chess piece. Yay. Like chess set. Oh That'd yeah, awesome. like based on this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, thank you so much for listening to uh, us nerd out about lore. Well, we we do it just about every week. We do it every day, but we record it at least once a week. <laughs> it's only documented once. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. My name is Sergio, and I'm Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast, or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll see you soon. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.